Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tailgate and welcome to one hell of a week in sports. My name is Rob Christian. Joining me back at full strength this week, Alex Christian and the missing link, Bo Parker. Bo, good to have you back. Good to be back, Rob. Good to be back. Bo was on a legal assignment last week. How are laws doing? They're still there. We still have laws. You know, no matter no matter how much people tell you we don't have laws anymore, we do in fact still have laws. So hopefully that's reassuring to everybody as they watch happily or unhappily as we confirm a Supreme Court justice. But do these laws in fact apply while drinking laws? No. That's actually an important exemption to the laws is when one is drinking clause. I'm surprised that wasn't part of the Amy Comey Barrett, uh, you know, proceedings early. Okay, first of all, your interpretation of the law, do they apply while drinking clause? Yeah, I think uh, I think I saw Senator Durbin ask that at one point. You know, took out, took out his white claw. He's a big white claw guy. I saw a promo. Yeah, he seems early. like it. So, yeah, saw a promo earlier today for Claws, $15 buckets for Claws. I don't know, is that a lot for Claws? That feels like a pretty good price. I mean, I'd pay that for Claws. Does Claws sponsor us now? Is it, did I miss something last week? No, no, no. This is no free ads, but it, it, this, is, this is a very important time in American history, and the people need to know. Next amendment to the Constitution, none of these laws fly when you're drinking Claws. And that's something that no matter which side you're on, I think we all can settle down and agree on that. But moving on from the important topic of claws, we've Thank had goodness. we've had a huge <laughs> week, uh, a lot of a lot of breaking stories, a lot of stuff that's actually going on right now. Uh, Want to get this out right now that we are recording this on Wednesday night, uh, October fourteenth, and we just heard some you know breaking news uh, across the SEC and uh, some. Some stuff going on in that Dodgers Braves NLCS series right now. Alex, you want to you want to take us into that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the biggest news of the day is that Alabama head coach Nick Saban and athletic director Greg Byrne both have come down with COVID. They both tested positive. And in the week of the biggest game, what is projected to be the biggest game of the year, regardless of conference. What happens now? You know, you've seen a lot of things happen. You've seen Dan Mullen's own foot get shoved right in his mouth uh, about opening up the stadium and going to 100% capacity for the LSU game to bring in, you know, a real home field advantage. Then, uh, yeah, game's postponed. Game's canceled because 19 of your guys got it. Um, but for Saban... And Alabama with Georgia on the docket this week, this is huge. Yeah, I think uh, I think the outcome is still going to be the same in that Bama Georgia game. You and I were talking a little bit before the show started, and we both agreed that you know we think Bama. Hey, don't give away the big reveal. I mean, I'm gonna. I was gonna pick Bama no matter what. Spoilers, asshole. I'm not gonna give away anything that you have to say. I'm just saying that I'm picking Bama. I don't think Georgia's gonna get him. Ole Miss almost got him this past week. I think 
I think uh, think they're going to bounce back even without um, even without Saban, and they're gonna. I think they're going to be able to run pretty well over Georgia. I don't think Georgia's offense can keep up. Yeah, but can Georgia score like Ole Miss? Come on, I don't think they can Come score on. like Ole Miss. Man, what we're going to get to it later in the show, I think. But why doesn't Ole Miss just play these offensive guys on defense? There's been talk about switching Plumley over there. Apparently, he doesn't want to go. Let them play both sides. If they can score 50, they can probably get one stop, right? I mean, it would be the same as the people that we're putting out there right now. Yeah. But, then, yeah, but the, yeah. With Sorry, Mullen, yeah. though, with, with Mullen, I think his wife just needs to start uh, stop making out with the players. I mean, she could be patient zero right there for this outbreak. Man, I mean, how many – I have to imagine that – there's a very high risk of some of these games, some more of these games getting uh, canceled or moved back, even this Georgia-Alabama game, right? I mean, obviously Ole Miss played Alabama last weekend. That's now a game against Arkansas that could get delayed. Like, what even SEC games are we going to get to see this weekend? Yeah, uh, Kiffin came out today during a press conference that said that Ole Miss is having some issues. If they had to play today, they would be able to play, but we'll see how it goes the rest of the week. LSU, Florida, already gone. And then in the, really, the who cares game of the week, it was what, Vanderbilt and Missouri? Yeah, Andy and Missouri got suspended. Yeah, I, I, I probably couldn't even tell you that, that game was on, so that one doesn't really hurt me that much. LSU, Florida, definitely... That one definitely hurts. So now that goes to the week that the SEC had kind of set aside for if any game had to be postponed. So it's going to be December 12th. That's actually the week after LSU has to play Ole Miss. So that could be a big end of the year for LSU, two rivalry games. Interesting. Yeah, that could be fun. That's definitely going to be be a pretty good game whenever they get to it, if they get to it. The problem is, if anything gets delayed, you know, for these teams after this week, then how is it going to match up if they don't have an open date at the same time? That's going to be the real fun. Sure. And, I mean, I was reading earlier this week the, I mean, I think we're going to talk a little about the NFL, too. The NFL, obviously, has had similar issues. The owners have talked about a week 18 or even a week 19. They've not had to do that yet. Uh, one question, Rob, and maybe we'll get to this later as well, but uh, who do you think benefits, like in a Florida-LSU match that was supposed to be really good, really good matchup, do you think uh, that helps Florida at all in preparing for a tough LSU team? Do you think it helps LSU at all in preparing for a tough Florida team? I think to have it, it now here? I think it... benefits LSU the most. I still wouldn't pick LSU to beat Florida at any point this year, but um, Miles Brennan was hurt this week and was listed as, I think, doubtful towards the end. The next two quarterbacks on LSU's roster are true freshmen, and they're already one and two. I think it's the first time since about the 80s that LSU has started one and two. Yeah, and that's usually because they play McNeese or Sela or somebody early. Um, but I could not agree with you more, Rob. Um, when it 
comes to LSU being helped out by the schedule move. The biggest thing to me, though, is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Kojo has come out and publicly said, look, we got to simplify the defense. And I, I, there's a lack of cohesiveness out there right now. I really think that a few more weeks together, it's going to allow them to you know, start to at least prepare for, uh, what's the kid's name, the tight end Pitts from Florida. It's going to allow them to start putting in uh, a couple of packages there and really kind of figuring out a defensive identity, which since Dave Aranda left, they, they have not had. Well, hopefully, hopefully someone can put a game plan together for them because if last week you know, hadn't happened with that loss, I think Florida's you know really on track to have. I mean, two guys it seemed in as Heisman finalists for whatever that'll count for this year. But between the two Kyles, it's been outrageous the numbers that they've been able to put up so far, even with a loss yeah. on the schedule. Yeah, I don't know how you game plan for Kyle Pitts. I mean, this dude is a man. He is so good. He's definitely a first-round talent, right, at the least. Oh, he's a top-ten pick. Yeah. I mean, people always talked about, you know, what if LeBron James could play tight end? This is, I mean, he this guy's what, 6'8"? 6'6", 6'6", 240. That's pretty big. From Philadelphia. The good one or, or the one that you're in? <laughs> the one where bad things happen. Oh, not Philadelphia, Mississippi. I'm sure some bad things happen there, too. Not like the one in Pennsylvania. Uh, Ole Miss is recruiting that area really hard right now. That new coaching staff yeah. loves the Philadelphia area. They're just they're just following you around. That's it. That's it. They haven't called me up, though. I've still got some eligibility left. You're still on the club baseball side of things. That's right. Yeah, you've got some eligibility there. Yeah, I think I'm so old I could only play for BYU. <laughs> I actually heard uh, yesterday during during a work call that BYU students are throwing COVID parties still. Yeah, good for them. I don't know what's going to go on at those parties, but a lot of handshaking. Boggle. They, don't a, they don't have a lot of time left. These vaccines, you're going to get them? Coming oh. down the pipe. You're working on that, right, Rob? I am. I actually am. Yeah. <laughs> more on that later. But more news yeah, as we... confidential. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Uh, more news as we go through. Uh, I think this is pretty much expected. If this was a this was a COVID year or a regular year, I think a lot of people would have liked to see this. The NFL has canceled the Pro Bowl for the year. How do we feel about that? Does anybody even watch the Pro Bowl? I didn't even know it was canceled until you just told me. I didn't know that they were going to do one at all this year. I figured they would have decided that before the season. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's uh, and it, there's no there's no need for it. Get the guys together, like like the Pro Bowl. I'm okay with them getting together, doing the skill challenge, and they do the, the kind of some fun games and stuff. And they should have the honors. But to me, there's not even any use to even having a proper Pro Bowl game at this point. 
like nobody really plays hard and you wouldn't want them to like, do you really want the best players in the game to go out there and potentially get hurt in some meaningless game? Exactly. But you put, you put the skills competition out there. I love that. It's awesome to watch. That's good TV. I'll even watch, you know, reruns during, you know, the summer. They'll put those like the old ones with like Eli and Peyton Manning on it on like ESPN two when there's no good sports on. And it's so fun to watch. And oh, then, yeah, those come up in my social media feed all the time. And then it's they still... Thursday night. It is better than Thursday night football. Sometimes now Tuesday night football. <laughs> and then you put them all out there and you do something fun like dodgeball, something that they've introduced in the last you know couple of them. And it just it's awesome TV to watch. Name a Pro Bowl roster for each conference and then just let them do skills competitions. Have fun with it. And has this also not established Jarvis Landry as one of the most freakishly athletic humans on the face of the earth? You know, the skills challenge, the dodgeball, the 40, the one-handed catches. It's like, get this guy the ball. (laughs) I don't need to see him in a game where nobody is playing hard to see. This guy gets it. Just put him out there, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, dodgeball captains, every year that they make it. I like that. I like that. That's just a new rule every year. Jarvis Landry, OBJ. Just like all-time QB, all-time dodgeball captain. (laughs) Throw Brett Favre in there. I bet he throws a dodgeball pretty hard, too. I would not want want to play dodgeball with Brett Favre. I want to do a lot of things with Brett Favre. Dodgeball, unless he's on my team, is not one of them. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he's doing in Hattiesburg now, or when he <laughs> wanders down to Tampa Bay. Other than that, what else did we have this week? The NBA Finals ended. That's kind of an interesting situation. I think a lot of us here wanted the the Heat to win. Ultimately, was not meant to be. Miami had you know two starters out for a majority of the series, though. They tried to make it interesting. That last game was just miserable. Got blown out. But now we run into the situation where the NBA season should be starting again, and we just ended the finals. I think there was going to be a 14-day period if the, uh, if the season ended when it did and when the actual season was supposed to start up again if this were a regular starting with a new season at regular time. And I think the original rescheduled date for the NBA draft was actually supposed to be around tomorrow, the uh, October 15th. I think the season is now pushed back to December is the anticipated start time. What do you think that's going to have an impact on? Do you think that's enough time for these guys? I mean, you look at the playoff teams, they've spent such a long time in the bubble. When the Heat got back, it was 96 straight days in Orlando. Now they come back, they get the rest of October off, all of November, and then you're back at it. Yeah, I, I think it would have a much bigger impact. Um, or actually, I, I take that back. I think it's going to have a much bigger impact on international basketball. And the reason why I say that is, you know, you pushed the Olympics back this year. So if the Olympics happened this summer and guys opted in and decided to play, you know, especially guys who had been in the playoffs, you would really have only had three or four weeks 
Now these guys are looking at finishing up their season next year while the Olympics are happening. So I, I think you're going to see a huge roster shakeup um, with Team USA. But I don't think it's going to affect much of the NBA season. These guys are going to just go on shutdown. They're going to go into off-season mode, and they're just going to condense it. And they're going to be short in training camp. It's not going to be as taxing as we think it will be. Um, the NFL popped out a quick off-season. I, I think the NBA is going to be able to do that even better. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably fairly obvious, but like the thing I'm going to be looking for in this upcoming NBA season when we get to the next NBA season is like, how do the older teams and how do the teams that, that you know, don't shoot the ball quite as well? Obviously, everybody has got a lot of shooters now, but I'm interested to see kind of how the big guys do with the, the uh, less of a break between seasons. I you know, people say that the game is less physical today than maybe it was in the eighties, but uh, it's still a super physical game, especially down low. So like, I'm, I'm going to be really, I think teams like Miami and teams like that, that kind of play small sometimes and, and have great cheers. I think they'll be fine, but uh, you know, these older guys or bigger guys, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do. And we do have to, Remember that, you know, a lot of the teams left the bubble pretty early or didn't make it. It's only been a handful of teams that have been there for 80, 90 plus days, but it's definitely a disadvantage for you to have to play that many extra games when everyone else has been getting, you know, rest for a few months now. Or if you didn't even get to the bubble, you're, you've got a hell of a long time to rest up. Like your Knicks, but. Yeah, I was going to say my Knicks. Just, just give them a spot in the playoffs. No problem. They've been resting. They're, they're going to be ready to go. Are you going to try one more time for the, for the number one pick? One more year, and you think you can pull it off? Those lottery no. odds are not very beneficial <laughs> to the Knicks. It's never worked out before. It's not going to work out. That's fine. It doesn't matter, though. If they got this long break, they're in. You can just pen them in. All right, we'll mark that down. October 14th, 2020, Bo Parker says the Knicks make the next NBA playoffs. You can take it to the bank. You can take it to Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, I hear they're going to be playing some important basketball there in 2023. Alex, tell us about, I hear Vegas is going to be hosting an NCAA regional for the first time ever. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. Um, having been in Vegas for March Madness before, that place, it, there is just electricity running through the air. You put an actual regional there, and the strip is turning into Electric Avenue. This place is going to explode. I cannot wait to see Vegas host meaningful college basketball this is going to be this is going to be unreal and i think it's going to be the bellwether going forward for whether or not the ncaa if it survives that long will start hosting things in vegas with the you know much wider spread legalization of sports gambling this is the best thing that they could do from an ncaa standpoint absolutely love it 
I mean, you just have to smile or laugh when you hear something like that. Where are they going to play that? Where the Knights play? The hockey yeah, stadium? Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. I, I don't think they'll put it in the uh, the Death Star that the Raiders have. I definitely want to go to that. Who would be the best teams or the most outrageous teams that could actually be put there? Valparaiso. Like UMBC, <laughs> BYU, um, uh, Loyola, Chicago. Oh man, I I could bet on Loyola, Chicago playing in Vegas. What was that, Sister Jean? Oh yeah, yeah, Sister Jean. I, Sister Jean will be betting. Just get her to the slot machine. They have them in yeah, the stadium. The hell, they have them in the airport. I forget the stadium. You think Sister Jean stays at the Bellagio, or you think she stays at Caesar's Palace? Where does Sister Jean stay when she's visiting Vegas for the Loyola Regional? Definitely Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace, gal. I like to think of like Circus Circus. Maybe the Palms. Loves the Blue Men Group. <laughs> Thunder from Down Under. And yeah, no, no. Think, think of where we've come from just a few years ago. I mean, we see the the NFL put a team in Vegas, but everything was so much to avoid Vegas, and I feel like the NFL was the loudest and kind of fighting it. But now, did we really think that we would get an NCAA sport or a regional or a postseason tournament put right there in the center of the betting world? Yeah, I, I honestly, I never thought I would see the day that this would happen. This is just amazing. No, I'm I'm extremely pumped for that. I cannot wait. I think NCAA basketball is going to start up next month, right? I think they only delayed a couple a couple weeks from you know the original start time. I don't know if there's been any impacts on scheduling or anything like that, but. I'm super excited. There definitely has. You know, they moved like the Maui Invitational, I think, to like Orlando or Indianapolis or something. You know, a lot of those, um, a lot of the preseason tournaments have been moved, but really, they timeline-wise, it's not that big of a deal. It's more location. I don't know. I'm not watching the Maui Invitational from Indiana. Not the same. Just doesn't have the same ring to it. Nah, just can't do it. I've never been a huge so fan the Maui of Maui Invitational of Indianapolis. Yeah, like the, the Maui Indiana Invitational. Oof. Brought to you by like Maui Jim's Sunglass Hut. <laughs> Close enough. Hey, I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, if it's on, I mean, we'll watch it. I mean, I would watch anything if there's a winner and a loser, I guess. That 24 hours of college basketball when they do Midnight Madness all the way through, that's fine. that is that's one of the most beautiful days of sports ever. Yeah, it should definitely cool be a work holiday. It has to be. It's right up there with... With opening day baseball. Opening day baseball, Super Bowl Monday, those, what is it, is it two days you get the full tournament? 
where it's all day? Is it one or two days? It's usually like that Tuesday and Wednesday, I thought. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you get two days. And then Bobby Bonilla Day. Everyone should get Bobby Bonilla Day off. July 1st. You've only got a year or two left on that, I think, right? No, it's Maybe. until 2030. 2030 or 2031. 2031. Yeah, we've, 2031, still... we've got 11 more years of Bobby Bonilla Day. And then after that, after he's done getting paid, we have to start celebrating Bobby Bonilla Day Memorial Day. How many white claws can you buy with the money that Bobby Bonilla has gotten? Less than you uh, should somewhere be. Somewhere around $900 million. That depends on if you're getting claw buckets or just packs of claws. <laughs> no, but that's fine. That, that's good. Let's talk baseball. What do you got, Rob? Tell us about baseball. Can definitely the see Braves? that. Bo doesn't, want to go. Bo doesn't want to get back on claws. Yeah. <laughs> Are the Braves good? The Braves have seemed good. I sat at a bar last night watching Tuesday Night Football and the Braves with two very inebriated gentleman yelling about the Dodgers and the Braves and being very vocal about it. I was also wearing a Braves minor league affiliate hat. Somehow I avoided that because it seems like I would usually be right in the middle of that. But the Braves, after going up 2 nothing, getting worked today so far. Kershaw's start scratched yesterday, supposedly going to start in tomorrow's game, uh, assuming the Dodgers are going to take this one as they were up 12 to nothing the last I saw before we started. 15-1 in the Ooh. fourth. What do we what do we think is going on with Kershaw? Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, much has been said about his postseason record. You know, you look at his regular season, he might be the most dominant pitcher we've ever seen. Um, certainly one of the best of this generation, if not the best. And he gets to the postseason and he melts. Well, they scratch him for some injury for game two. After you just lost game one, you lose game two, and then now you sit him for game three. And it turns out to have been a beautiful managerial decision not to throw him. You know, because the offense just exploded and you don't need him for game four. But Bo, you know, you as a baseball guy and a baseball guy's guy, there's got to be something else at play here that they're not telling us and that, you know, the casual observer is missing. I don't know. I mean, it's so, so, look, it is absolutely verified, not, it's not a unique opinion to point out that Kershaw does not play the same way in the postseason. He's had 177 career postseason innings, and he's got a 4.25 ERA. That's almost double what his regular season ERA is. And 177 innings, I mean, that's like a full season's worth of work. So that is a sample size that we can talk about and, and that's relevant. Um, so there's certainly something to that. That being said, Kershaw is clearly the best player on your staff. You're paying him $31 million this year. If nothing else, if you've got a guy for $31 bucks and you can't play him, you're going to play him. Um, and, I mean, he's had some of these injuries issues before. I even think he's had some of these back issues before. So uh, I, I think it's a legitimate injury. Um, but, I mean, it's. It's interesting. I, it, it is not beyond the pale to suspect something, to suspect there's something more that, that 
that he's simply not the same player in the postseason. If that is the case, is he still worth $31 million? That's kind of an interesting question to me is like, how much can you read into that? Obviously, the sabermetrics guy, the quote nerds, they'll tell you that the postseason is the same as the regular season. But look at a guy like Kershaw, I think he's the proof that that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, I think it's do you believe that there's a difference between the regular season and the postseason? Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel the Dodgers are just kind of in this hole, just like the Yankees were. You know, a decade ago, I guess the Yankees won in 09, but before that, they were just spending so much money and they just couldn't put it together. Now the Dodgers are that. They have endless and endless amounts of money and they just keep throwing it in there. They develop a few guys, you know, here and there, but it's just we will dump out whatever we can to pay you and then they just cannot get over the hump. And the NL West is only getting better and Clayton Kershaw Mm -hmm. is only getting older. And if he's having these issues now at 32, we've already seen a little bit of a drop in in his performance and his stats. He's not that guy who's going to give you nine innings every time that he goes out on the mound like he was, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I look, as a fan, I really hope that he is able to pitch uh, in the next game and that, that this is really is just a small thing. Because, like, he's obviously, he's been playing well. His ERA is under three this postseason so far and is much more in line with his career ERA and performance this season. Uh, Perhaps it's the fans. Perhaps he can't pitch in front of fans. Um, And, and, you know, obviously that postseason environment, like, that's loud and that's not something that baseball players are maybe used to on a – on a you know random game in July or June, to having a packed standing room only crowd that's yelling on every pitch. So you know maybe there's something to that. Um, I really hope he's able to come back. I hope he's able to finish out this postseason. Uh, maybe silence the doubters a little bit, but even if he does have a great postseason this year, to really he needs one or two more postseasons. But as Rob, you just said, he's going to get that chance. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of Padres, Dodgers division series. There's going to they're they're going to be back. Um, moving over the AL, what do we think of Tampa Bay? Uh, can they close it out tonight? What do you think? I think they definitely can. I think they will. I am in love with this Rays team, mostly because they are playing the Astros. They're the other Florida team in it. I picked the Yankees um, over them in that uh, in the ALDS. I was wrong, and I'm very glad about that as well. So I'm all on the Tampa Bay train right now. I love Jose Altuve's four airs in the postseason. It's it it just makes me so happy. I'm on. I'm totally on board on the Astros shame tour. I'm all in on Tampa Bay right now. I think they close it out and sweep the Astros. It still makes me mad that the Astros made it back here and that the media is now softening up their stance on them a little bit and saying that they've had to face adversity. I think that's bull poopy, but they're going to spin it whatever way that they want to. Tell me what adversity that they faced 
this year more than any other team. And here, if this season had gone off first, Bo, how many straight games would the first batter have been thrown at? Oh, man. It would have been all 32 opponents. They were doing it in spring training. Yeah. Yeah. I would be throwing at their dome. Every that's adversity. What no, don't give me that crap, Astros. And it's Get out of conflicted. Here. I mean, so yeah, it's not adversity that Jose Altuve is hitting two nineteen because he doesn't have the signs coming in. That's not adversity. Yeah, give me a freaking break. Um and then Jose Altuve, he's got what, four errors so far in this postseason? Yeah, I think it's the like, most by a second baseman in a postseason ever. I saw some weird stat like that earlier today. It just it just makes me smile. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's 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 unbelievable. And there there are definitely other guys on that on that Houston team that deserve some shame too, but I think it's all just kind of centered around Altuve this season for some reason. I guess maybe he's the most notable name on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the entire team. Um, I'm looking at their lineup here. The only guy in their starting nine hitting 300 or above is Michael Brantley, and he's at 300 this year. Uh, when they're not telling you what pitch is coming, I guess it's a lot harder to hit in the major league. Who would have thought? And before we leave baseball, um, RIP Joe Morgan. Uh, one of the greatest ball players ever to live, second baseman for the Reds, longtime World Series champion. Uh, I want to say two-time MVP. Uh, guy, I know for us, we recognized him for his time on ESPN and you know, really being that sage voice of wisdom for baseball uh, on those nightly broadcasts. Um, but talking to people who watched him play. Holy crap, this dude was good. But, uh, yeah, the game lost a legend. So, yeah, everybody, do yourself a favor. Go out and look at some of the Joe Morgan highlights. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, and the little guy, too. Five yeah. Started his career in Houston, actually, given we were just talking about Houston. But, yeah, little guy. I, I just love to see guys under six feet who were just studs. And that's what he was, man. He was a baller. He just made plays, 10-time All-Star. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, great guy, great player, great broadcaster, one of my favorite broadcasters that they had on ESPN. I was very upset when he left ESPN and wasn't doing broadcasts anymore. Their their baseball coverage has dropped significantly when they lost guys like that. First ballot Hall of Famer, one of the great ones for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we start talking about first ballot Hall of Famers. And, you know, you really look at a guy who was on pace for a Hall of Fame career. Statistically, not by record, but statistically, go down horrifically in one of the worst hits I've ever seen as we move to the NFL. And the first thing we have to talk about, it, it has to be Dak. I almost threw up when I saw it, when Romo said, oh, now hopefully it's just a cramp. 
I wanted to cry. Uh, Rob, I, I don't know of any as jarring injury, especially when you factor in all of the off-the-field considerations mm-hmm. than this Dak Prescott hit. I know. It, that was miserable having to watch it. That's one of those where they should not show it again, you know, on TV almost. It was, ugh, it just makes you cringe. It's, it sends like a shock through your whole body having to watch that. And then for Tony Cromo to call it a cramp, one of the most tone deaf statements. He's there. He can watch it. He can watch it as many times as he wants before he says something. Uh, the, well, first of all, yeah, read the room. Read the room when everybody has their helmets off. There are tears coming down their faces. They are praying together, team, you know, two teams together praying. And you're like, oh, maybe he's got a cramp there. I don't know, Jim. I think we know. Tone, I think we know. This is, this is really, really bad. But, Bo, let's talk about the economic side of this for a second. Obviously, Dak on the franchise tag. Didn't get the long-term deal done. They were four or five million apart for at least one to two years on that last deal. What does this do market value-wise for Dak Prescott? Man, that's so right. Like I felt so bad watching that, watching him in tears. And and I think as he left the field, and, and I don't think that the economics of it were why he was crying leaving the field, but I have to imagine there may be some tears later on. I think uh, he'll still get paid. Somebody will be willing to pay him. Um, But I actually think if if you're the the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to not, they're not going to pay him. There's no way. And I actually think this is going to end up being, and this is really grim to say, but from an economic standpoint, from a building a roster standpoint, they're not going to pay him. They're going to end up, going with uh, Dalton right this year. And then I could see them going in a completely different direction coming out of this because somebody will pay Dak, I have to believe still, because uh, he's just so good. Um, and the fact is, the fact of the matter, paying a guy like Dak, especially now coming off of injury, but paying a guy like Dak has not been proven historically to be successful for building a team. So. Uh, that'll definitely be an interesting angle to watch over the next five or six years if, you know, potentially they get somebody on a rookie deal or something like that. Um, and that actually kind of works out. That's grim. You hate to see that. He should get paid. He deserves to get paid. He's an awesome quarterback. If you're one of the nerds up in the box just looking at an Excel sheet, it actually might work out for Dallas Cowboys. We'll see. And you definitely don't. Yeah, no. It, you don't wish. Go ahead, Rob. You don't wish something like that on anyone. But kind of taking a look at glass half full, this could actually be a blessing in disguise for Dak if he's able to get out of Dallas because they are mm-hmm. permanently in just mediocrity mode. I mean, if they're not going to pay him, but like you said, somebody will, and he'll probably get a better chance to do it. I mean, he was on pace to break Peyton Manning's uh, single-season passing record from 2013, and he was on pace to shatter it by over a 1,000 yards. I mean, yeah, so he, he was there. The Cowboys are still terrible, even with him. 
Yeah, and I, I would absolutely love to see that. There would be nothing better than to see Dak get paid somewhere else and win a lot of games there. Uh, one place I'm looking, like, could he end up in New Orleans or somewhere like that? Could they be willing to take a shot on somebody with Dak's level of talent, with Drew Brees, you know, now at the end of his career? He'd clearly be an upgrade over Jameis, even coming in hurt. Um, you know, I think there's a few teams you can look at and make a case that Dak can go there and be better off. I would love to see that. What about the Jets? Oh, yes. Man. This is my favorite part of the week. This is why we missed you so much last week, Bo. I love Jets talk. It is the it is the crap on the Jets variety hour. But you oh, keep giving us content for it every week. I mean, it would it would still be fun to just come up here and shit talk the Jets for, you know, five minutes every week just because. But there's something new every week. Yeah, the, the, the Jets shit show radio hour. Le'Veon Bell gets released this week. Uh, they paid him how much? Paid him way too much for an aging running back. Then they didn't give him any blocking. He was liking tweets that he wanted to be traded. And uh, yeah, some, somebody tweeted, oh, they should give Le'Veon more touches or maybe they should just trade him. Le'Veon's out there retweeting that stuff. Gase is saying, well, if he wants to be traded, okay, you know, fuck it. Uh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that they released Bell and kept Gates. To me, the only explanation for this is the Johnson are tanking for Taylor. They believe they can lose more games with Gates than without him. And maybe we'll finally get a new head coach later on. But this but- is just a, a dumpster fire. Well, fear not, because the Johnsons kept the case because he's now, I, I want to almost say, threatening to take over play-calling duties again. <laughs> um, this is this is unreal. Uh, how you give up, and he did it in Miami. He's done it consistently here with the Jets, where he just runs off top talent. Uh, this just wow. That's it. That's uh, you, what else can you wow. say? Wow. Oh, wow. This is an art. They are the Knicks of the NFL. They truly are. And, and what, what's that make Adam Gates? Because, Oh God, he's not even Jim Dolan. I mean, he, he gets, so much credit. He was with Peyton, right? Um, yeah, he gets a ton of credit for that Peyton offense where I think I threw for 800,000 yards. Yeah. I think we know who the, the brain behind that offense was at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think we figured that one out too. I was on Dolphins Twitter earlier today, and people are still on the uh, Ryan Tannehill train in Tennessee, Tennessee uh, working the Bills last night, and people are just talking about Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase's system and that he just ruins people everywhere that he goes, and I haven't really seen anyone really prove that wrong. I mean, he got the tail end of Cutler in Chicago, right? And then he got, yeah, it was in Chicago. And then he got Cutler again 
in Miami. And that's where Cutler went wrong. All these other guys, they go off somewhere else and they ace in the hole. They, you know, turn their career around or look amazing. They're as good as they were ever supposed to be. If you're playing fantasy football, this is an awesome buy low opportunity on Le'Veon Bell. Look at, is it Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver from the Jets the last few years who left and now he's having a career year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the examples are endless. You already said Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Tuesday night football, he had four, five, something like that touchdowns. Looked really good. So let's talk, let's talk about a coach who should have been fired after Adam Gaze, but somehow beat him to the punch. The second firing, I think, of an NFL head coach so far this season, Dan Quinn. So what's next for the Falcons? Who cares? <laughs> the Jets or nothing, the Falcons. One of them has right, to pick can, up Bill O'Brien. No, 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 no. Nothing is nothing is going to change for the Falcons this year, and that's a sad thing. Now, the beautiful thing is that they are going to get a win this week. They're not on a bye. They play this week it, because you always get the interim coach bump like that. I, I forget the stat, but it's like eighty-two percent of. First game interim coaches win. It's the most outrageous thing, and it makes no sense. But guys are like, Oof. yeah, everybody in this building about to get totally boned, so we might want to put something on tape. Well, um, that's why you can't fire Gates then. Yeah, because then they might win. <laughs> yeah. And then you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Um, but no, I, I, I think Atlanta is – that roster is way too talented, but the defense is just so bad. I mean, you can't. It, if you're Matt Ryan and you're putting up thirty, what, thirty-one, thirty-plus points a game, and you're just getting stomped, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's going to be, you know, rats leaving a sinking ship in Atlanta. This is a systemic dumpster fire. It, that is not. This is the Springfield Tire Fire from The Simpsons that is not going out anytime soon. And to lose to Carolina, a team that so many were down on with Matt Rule in his first year, and losing Cam Newton that that whole kind of saga that ended that when Rule first came in. Those Panthers are now three and two. Atlanta zero oh, and five. Atlanta's given up hundred and sixty one points so far this year. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, no. So long, farewell, Al Zane. Good night, Dan Quinn. It, it, we have been calling for This has been a very pro-Dan Quinn firing show, and I, I hate to root for somebody to get fired, but the good people of Atlanta, they did not deserve what has been happening since the Super Bowl when 28-3. to 3, It's been said enough times, but they have never gotten back over that hump psychologically broken, rip the Band-Aid, turn the page. You know, we'll see in three or four years when you establish an identity. But, yeah. but you, think they, you think they beat Minnesota this week? Oh, 83% chance. That's what Alex just said a minute ago. Well, also look at it this way. Dalvin Cook, most likely out. If you're dealing with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, uh, yeah, that's, you know, 
Cook and Madison, that is a good backfield together. Kirk Cousins blows, uh, <laughs> especially when you take away his number one weapon. Yeah. You know what? Give me a score fest. Give me the Falcons. First pick of the day. Falcons with the interim coach boost win this game. I love it. I love, I'll join you in that pick. I'm sure the spread is heavy Vikings, but absolutely. The, the Vikings are just, they're, they've got their own problems. I'm taking so, a look at their depth chart right now, and their number two quarterback is Sean Mannion. I love that. Oh, my God. Pride of Oregon State. Ah, no. So they better (laughs) hope Kirk Cousins is just bad and he doesn't get hurt. Oh. Talk about landing spots for guys. Uh, So that game game opened at three and a half. Dak, Dak with the Vikings would be unstoppable. Man. Him with Justin Jefferson, good Lord. Yeah, that that'd be a fun landing spot. And you, I mean, he obviously, like we saw with Zeke hurt a little bit last year, like the difference that a running game makes for Dak's style of play. I would love to see him playing with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and then uh, Madison, and then yeah, you give him kind of some more weapons around him. Adam Thielen. Yeah. yeah, you've got you've got some dudes. Mm-hmm. Man, this is going to be a game. A combined one and nine. Yeah, but the Vikings might be the best awful football team in football. I don't know. Well, maybe. It sure ain't the Jets. No, it ain't the Jets. So, Atlanta's given up. Atlanta's given up 161 points. Minnesota's given up 152. (laughs) Let's go. Somebody take me over. It's one of those games where it's so bad that you kind of really want to sit down and watch it almost. Yeah, I don't care what the over is. I'm taking it. (laughs) Just a blind bet on the over. And speaking of over, uh, Exceeding expectations, Dolphins beat the living crap out of the 49ers last week. Fitz magic, baby. They're going to win the division. Hey, it's possible. We're going to go to 3-3 and against the Jets right now. Oh, yeah. So, Dolphins, and look, I'm not putting anything past last night because, you know, the Titans are sleeper good. They really are. Um, and there's really not AJ Brown that first touchdown. It's like, oh, is he healthy? Is he bad? Yeah, dude's bad. So I I don't think that you can take a lot away from the Bills um, on that loss because Tannehill had a great night. AJ Brown had a great night. Derrick Henry is still Tractor Cito. You know, you've got a lot of a lot of moving parts there. They lost to an undefeated team that had an extra week of rest. So let's put that past the bill. We're under. But the, the one thing you could question is some of the decision-making from uh, Josh Allen. Those are some ugly picks. 
I mean, he got very unlucky with that first one. It bounced right off his receiver's shoulder pads and straight into the hands of a Titans team that allegedly had not been practicing. Yeah. Two weeks. Right. I think I think there was a story about them practicing, right? Oh, they they were. That's, that's, yeah, we we talked about it on the last episode, which thank you for listening, Jackass. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know why everybody keeps talking about the Titans as like a sleeper. They're good. They're just good. Can't the Titans just be good? They can, much like the Oakland Raiders who just beat the Chiefs. Yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've talked about that Vegas team. I love that Vegas team. They play so fast, but this, uh, this Titans team, I feel the same way. Like it's everybody keeps calling them a sleeper, but they're just good. They were good last year. They beat the Packers in the playoffs, right? Beat the Ravens. The Ravens. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The they're just good. Like Tannehill might just be good. He's one of the most efficient passers in the league at this point, and that's obviously helped by by Henry. And then he's got weapons out there like AJ Brown, but. I think they're just good. I'm not taking anything away from this Bills team on this loss at all. Uh, the scoreboard looks bad. I obviously got away from them at the end there, but um, they, that's just, you know, you turn the ball over with like two minutes left in the game on a kickoff. It's, a lot of that, you can't do anything about it. Could have been that Tuesday night thing, too. I think it was the second time in 70 years that an NFL game had been Late on Tuesday, I still think that the Bills win the AFC East. I don't see New England catching them. Uh, Miami not going to catch them, and sorry, Jets are also not going to catch them. I think it's Buffalo's division to lose. I still think they pretty much walk away with it. I think they beat. Have, they haven't played New England yet, have they? Uh, let's take a look. No, they have not. Buffalo is not no. So they win at least one of those games. Yeah, and I mean, they beat the Raiders, uh, who obviously just beat the Chiefs, as you alluded to. Now they play the Chiefs on Monday night this upcoming week. Um, that'll be a good test for them. That's a game I'm really interested to watch. How do they bounce back from a big loss against this Tennessee team and do against a, at home now against a really good Kansas City team? Um and then after that, they get the Jets, and that's you know just a bye week before they get to go play the Patriots. So, man, that's a rough two game stretch. That's right. That's right. But they get the bye week in between, so it's all good against the Jets. <laughs> um, so let's talk about another team that's uh, been playing pretty good ball. The Packers, the new number one in the NFL.com power ranking. Aaron Rodgers playing some of the best football he's played in years. What do we think of the Pack? Aaron Rodgers loaded. playing like he's a kid again. I love it. They're, yeah, I'm going to say they're clearly best team. I mean, I'd put, would you put Seattle at two right now or would you keep Kansas City at two? But I think that there's, as of right now, a clear difference between number one with Green Bay up there. 
Yeah, I, I think Green Bay has clearly established themselves. I, there's that elite tier, and I think we can all kind of agree as to who it is when you look at Green Bay, Seattle, Kansas City, Baltimore's on that fringe. And you have to start thinking that Tennessee might be there. They are right on that, that edge. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily put them in the elite category the way that they perform, but it's it's very close. Um, so I think those guys have separated themselves out. And then I think they're probably about six to eight teams in that next tier that are all going to make the playoffs and are all capable of making a run. Um, but to me right now, Packers, that offense, and everybody made fun of going with the young guy, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers himself made a lot of uh, dodgeball references to LaFleur. But no coach in NFL history has had the record Matt LaFleur has had through this many games as a head coach. They're, the guy's on a historic pace, and he's got his dude in Aaron Rodgers, and the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour is just out in full force. I love it. I do kind of want to play devil's advocate, though, with the Packers. It has been a relatively easy schedule for them to go 4-0 so far. They've had to play the Vikings 1-4, the Lions 1-3, the Saints, who, you know, they won on Monday night, but they're having, uh, I'd probably say, a down year from what they expected to. They've been some struggles. They have, they've had some injuries. They've had some Michael Thomas issues. People are... Well, Michael Thomas was out that game. Yeah. He's been out a few of them. Uh, yeah. They're having Drew Brees issues where they think that he can't throw more than 20 yards. I think he, the first pass that he threw of over 20 yards was late in the third quarter this week. Uh, but then you look at the Falcons, too, 0-5. So it's yeah. not been the toughest schedule for them. They get, uh, they get Tom Brady this week. I still think that they beat them. And look at it going forward. Texans win. Vikings win. 49ers, uh, the Dolphins are beating them. The Packers are probably beating them. Win. Jags win. Phillip Rivers turnovers at the Colts win. The first... You know, test that comes up is in late November, last week in November, a night game against Chicago, who's 4-1 and one right now. I don't really see any challenge in between those two games, though. Yeah, and a Chicago team that, that you know, a lot of people are saying is playing way above uh, their proper weight right now. Um, and it, But exactly what you're saying, Rob, that's why... Sure, we can put the Packers as the number one power ranking. We can they're gonna win a whole slate of these games coming up. Uh but are they really a tier above the the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Seahawks? I'm not sure I'm ready to put them in that category quite yet myself. And man, look uh, at the rest of the look at the rest of their schedule. Eagles, oh. Lions, Panthers. Titans, uh, second to last game of the year, and then the Bears again in the last game. They're not ready for the Titans. That's a at that's I'd a say Sunday at worst night. that's a thirteen and three team. Maybe it might be better than that. This is what they did last year, thirteen and three. Yeah, no, I mean they're gonna they're I 
I see them running away with this division, certainly. But I could easily see them being a team that then gets to the playoffs and, you know, loses first round of the playoffs. Uh, second round, obviously, they'll get the – I think they get the bye. Or they're going 17 in the playoffs now, huh? So maybe not one seed. We'll see. Maybe they get the one seed. Um, but anyway, I see them losing their first playoff game after just a, an incredible run during the regular season because, as you said, it's just – such a weak schedule they've got. And I think this division is going to end up being weak. Um, I'd love to see the Bears sustain what they're doing, but do they have staying power? I'm not convinced. Uh, they've got a negative, or they, I'm sorry, a plus five points differential. Four and one with a plus five points differential? That's Ooh. actually really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. I wouldn't count on that lasting all year. Either that points differential has to go up or they can't stay at an 800 winning percentage. True. So then we take a look at some of the games that we got going on this week. Not not a whole lot of interesting matchups going on. We already mentioned Bills Chiefs a little bit. Uh, we mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, Green Bay and Tampa. And then we get the Browns and the Steelers. I mean, everyone's going to want to watch Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady right now. We know that's going to probably be the marquee game of the week. I think the Chiefs are going to get the Bills. Browns-Steelers, that's one that I that I would have some questions over. I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, it absolutely is. Um, you looked at Chase Claypool going for four tutters last week. Dude. You know, does Pittsburgh have a real number one again? And Juju, uh, buddy, you're second fiddle. Let's just get just get down to that. Um, Claypool balled out, but the Browns have been very surprising. They are just lurking around in the grass. You've got a revenge game. I this could be. This is going to be a dogfight for who sets themselves up because I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that the Ravens are going to win the division. You know, barring substantial injury somewhere, the Ravens are going to separate at some point. Correct? No doubt. Correct. No. Yeah. Okay. So if we're writing that, I, I don't see that the AFC North is going to get three teams into the playoffs. I think there's too much parity because I think you're going to get two out of at least you're going to get two out of the West with Vegas and Kansas city. I think you might get two out of the East with um, new England and Buffalo. So you're down to one spot. Yeah. One of these teams, one or both of these teams is not going to make it depending on how the rest of the season plays out, obviously, but you know, that to me, you you are going up. It is a head to head, and it is going to put you just that extra step up where you have that cushion. That should you lose a game late in the year that you shouldn't, you've got just a little bit of a bubble. That's the biggest intrigue to me. This game. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, 
to me, the Steelers are, are – I don't think they are going to have staying power with the way they've been playing. This uh, They really haven't played anybody to this point. Like, they really haven't been tested. I guess the Broncos aren't bad, but otherwise they beat the Giants, they beat the Texans, they beat with still with Bill O'Brien, they beat the Eagles, who are just atrocious. That entire division's atrocious. Whereas, you know, the Browns, like, when they put the rock off, like, when they pound the rock, they look good. They beat the Colts this weekend. They got, uh, and obviously one of them's hurt now, and Nick Chubb, but they've got two full running backs, and when they hand it to those guys, to either of them, man, they're tough to beat. Um, so, like, to me, if they just hand the ball off to uh, Kareem Hunt a lot, I don't see why the Browns can't just dominate this game flow and end up pulling it out. And even, it's sort of a next man up on the running back thing, too, down there. I mean, did you watch uh, Dearness Johnson? It all he's been playing great. Um, he's been looking good. Like like this Browns team, I feel a lot better about it. Uh, it's sort of the the po- what, what's the phrase? They're the post hype. Uh, everybody hyped them up last year, and they're sort of living up to me. I think they can live up to the hype from last year this year. Baker, I don't know about Baker, but they finally figured out they just need to pound the rock. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the injury report this week, too. I think all these guys are going to play, but you have Kareem Hunt listed as questionable. You have Jarvis Landry listed as questionable. I think they're both going to play. You look on the other side with Pittsburgh, guys that are banged up, uh, Marquise Pouncey, Eric Ebron, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith, and TJ Watt. That is a big loss for Pittsburgh if any of those guys can't play. Yeah, I, I'm definitely taking Cleveland in this one. Yeah, I'd like to see Cleveland. Cleveland looked good in that game against Dallas. I mean, it was Dallas too, but that was a fun game to watch. I don't think any of us expected uh, expected them to put up, what was it, 49, 48 points 49. on Dallas. That was a fun time to watch, and they were, they were making it look easy doing it, having OBJ run around and throw the ball and pretty much do whatever he wanted to. Jarvis and OBJ are dodgeball week for them. <laughs> our dodgeball yeah. captains. When they're when they're running the ball more than they're passing it, it just opens up so many other opportunities for their offense. Well, it seems to be prettier when they let their wide receivers throw it compared to Baker. <laughs> that says a lot. He looks good in ads, though. He's pretty funny. Pretty funny ads. Yeah, so I'm reading some poetry the other day or whatever he does now. Right, he's in a book club. I think uh I think Deshaun Watson's actually going to be the next quarterback to kind of go into that. We see Mahomes everywhere in commercials. We see Baker everywhere. I have a I have a solid feeling we're gonna be seeing a lot more of Deshaun Watson coming up as the next one. Watson or Burrow? Gonna call it oh. Going to call Watson. Burrow. Burrow is going to be before Deshaun. Yeah, which I hate because Watson has earned it. But yeah, I think Burrow's got the personality to pull it off. Yeah, he's going to be advertising cigars and tequila. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, Deshaun's going to be like Donovan McNabb advertising soup. They're going to want to paint Joe Burrow as like the Dos Equis most interesting man kind of guy. Oh, I would love that. Where, as you look on the other side of it, so if Joe Burrow is the cigars, then that means Jay Cutler definitely would have been the cig guy. So Jay Cutler would have been like Paul Mall or Camel. Oh no, he's he's Marlboro Red. That's Cowboy Killer, baby. Come on, Parliament Lights. Uh, no, that's Dan Ugla. If and that's you, for another. If you Dan, Dan Ugla was the spokesman for Parliament Lights, and because is, I saw him rip an entire pack at uh, downtown Fort Lauderdale years ago. It was. It was impressive. And what is the motto? If you smoke Parliament Lights, you do uh, not. Uh, no, no. There, there will be no slander on this show. No, no, no. You do a lot no. of cocaine if you smoke Parliament Lights. Now, moving on. Before we get before we get sued for libel. Yeah, whoa. We're, we're going to have to bleep that. <laughs> All right, we got the we got Twitter censoring the New York Post over here. I mean, facts are facts, man. Hey, there you go. I can neither confirm nor deny any of these opinions. Everybody, are based in fact. Everybody, go have a claw so you can. Uh, oh, go to hell, bro! No, no claws, no claws. Truly, uh, yeah, uh, no. God, that stuff tastes like cough medicine. All right, clearly we beat the NFL into the ground because yeah. we're talking about that. Straight hell. All right, so we'll move. We'll take it into college football. One of my favorite parts, uh, Alex. You pointed out that after five cancellations, Houston finally got to play a game. They got to play Tulane. Let's go! Hey, the fighting Dana Holgerson's go Cougs. Uh, they finally played a game, and they started off slow, as you would expect. Uh, we're down into the second quarter, started turning it around, and just blew the doors off in the second half. Um, good for you, Houston. Way to get back out there and get a win. Really happy for you. Yeah, you put up uh, 49, 49 points in game one after you've had four or five delays. Yeah, there was just a lot of points across college football this weekend. Um, one thing I heard is potentially they're not tackling in practice, and they haven't been at all. Uh, the defenses just aren't getting any reps. Um, do you think that's something maybe contributing like across the board? Uh, what what else can explain? a team like Houston in their first game back being a camp for so long, putting up 49 points. I definitely, I definitely think it's a major factor. Uh, we've heard a couple coaches come out and say it, you know, the last week or two saying that they didn't have this opportunity to tackle. Some teams look like they have never been taught to tackle. We look at what happened in the sec this week, which I kind of think is what you were referring to. I mean, there were points everywhere. Everyone looked like a big 12 defense. In a regular year, that's not going to happen, at least in the SEC. In the Big 12, it will always happen. But you give these guys a full off season, and I've heard people kind of you know, talking down the importance of spring practice 
lately, but that's when you can get a lot of that work in. You mm-hmm. have a messed up fall camp. You're scared of putting different position groups together. You've had position groups be completely ruled out. I mean, if one or two guys on the offensive line get it, there's odds that the rest of that offensive line or the rest of that unit, pretty good chances that they could test positive too. So you're having you're not even having the opportunity to tackle. It may not even be an aversion to tackling. It's you might have nobody to tackle. Mm. Yeah, I I have an I have a different idea on that actually, and it, it's kind of abstract in the sense that. You know, it has nothing to do with COVID. It has to do with videotape. You know, what Houston was able to do was look at four games of tape on Tulane. How many games of tape did Tulane get to look at for Houston? None. You were going off of last year's personnel, last year's grouping. You know, you're playing a team blind with the other team with four games uh, of tape in front of you or three or four games, whatever it was. So I I think just knowledge base at that point um, and and the ability to prepare for somebody on an extremely long rest, you know, a historically long rest, maybe. um, I I think that really played a big factor that nobody's really talking about. And you take it from last week, you know, uh, Houston's first game, and now this week they've got to come back and play a BYU team who also had to scramble kind of on the other end of it where Houston had so many games postponed or canceled. BYU had the last minute throw together a schedule as an independent, and they've already gotten four games in. They're 4-0. So it's like the complete opposite side of that spectrum. Yeah, maybe. Let, let me throw out another idea maybe they knew what plays were coming oh boy absolutely oh yeah what a uh, what a shot by saving it on this on that one must be and then he ends up testing and then, and then the backtrack i mean the 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 attempted cover-up of that was even funnier than uh, than him actually flat out saying that you were stealing signs. Oh, yeah. I thought the best part of the whole thing was the clap back from from uh, Kiffin saying, what are you talking about? You guys didn't even have a play in by the time we snapped the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the majority of the time the offense is calling their play first before the defense even gets out there. Kiffin is a god in responding to this with social media and everything. Uh, he was messing around with Feinbaum earlier this week. I I just don't get where that's coming from for Saban. I mean, he worked for him for three years. He might have picked up something. Kiffin's not a dumb guy. He may have made some unfortunate career moves in the past, but there's a reason that he was, at that point, the youngest coach to be hired as an NFL head coach. The guy is the guy's a football genius. He might have picked up something on Nick Saban in three years of working for him and working with Sarkeesian too. Mm-hmm. He's already unfortunately declined the New York Jets job. Uh, he said that on the radio about a month ago. So that's, that's unfortunate because uh, we could actually use a real offensive genius there. 
but completely. I mean, that was so fun to watch Ole Miss this weekend again, this Alabama team. Ole Miss just doesn't have the weapons, and they certainly don't have the defense to compete in the SEC now. But just wait until they get his guys in there. He was, they were, the, the best was they would get the fourth down and it'd be fourth and five. And at middle of the field, not sure if you're punt or go for a situation. They didn't, they didn't hesitate. They would just line up five seconds later, had the snap off going for it. Alabama had no, no, no idea what to do. Of course, almost couldn't stop them defensively. And it's a really good Alabama team, but. Well, I'll say uh, I'll say it every week. Ole Miss isn't going to kick, and Alabama knows some things about not having a kicker for a few years. But after watching that performance, I really don't think that there's a flat out loss on the rest of Ole Miss's schedule. There's nothing. I mean, you go into face of Florida, and what were they ranked number five at the time? Um, and then you go in and face Bama number two. You look at that schedule, and it's like. Those are going to be losses. We admitted that at the beginning of the year. Now there really isn't one where you flat out say this Ole Miss team is 100% going to lose this game. I, I know that they will probably more than they should just based on the defense, but I think there's a few teams that aren't going to be able to keep up with them offensively. I think Arkansas has put up 21 points twice. I think that might be the highest that they've gotten to. Auburn's offense is, you know, underperforming. Sorry, Alex, but I think we've all seen. No, it's, it's completely true. LSU having a down year. LSU should have won that game against Missouri, but some play calling at the end. They really shouldn't have been in that situation. Mississippi State, okay. they're down. Eight. Well, the one let's question start, is Hold on, hold on. Let's talk about LSU for one second and because I, I, I think that game is probably going to be the closest because I, I think you actually do beat Auburn straight up. Um, LSU was 0-10 on third downs, and they still scored over 40 points. Yeah, we noticed that when we were watching, and it kind of took it kind of took a second for us to be like, wait, what did they just say? 0-10 on third downs, and you still score 41 points. And you lose. And you lose. That's insane. That's why I think if LSU can somehow figure out the nonsense that's happening, uh, That'll be a really good game. The only saving grace I could see with Auburn is that, you know, our defense held LSU's offense last year to 23 points. Only team to keep it between, uh, you know, a t- or double digits. Um, maybe we do something, but I-, I-, I don't think our offense can keep pace with it. I don't think we can stop you enough. So who's, who else you got left? You got who's A&M, your cross? Vandy. And I'm in Vandy. So Please, we we also be Vandy. So we also get South Carolina. I think we beat South Carolina. The one question in my mind would be A and M. That would yeah, be the I one where it's that. like you. That would be the closest thing to you will lose this game. <laughs> But I mean, I think that's still a very winnable game. Let's pose a higher level question to you guys related to Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, the teams we're watching. Is the SEC basically the Big 12 now? I mean, my goodness. 
It certainly, it certainly looks more like it this year. I mean, I still think if you put a lot of these teams in the Big 12, I think they win. I mean, but you look at uh, Oklahoma's dog poo. Texas is dog poo. They had to go to how many overtimes? Was it four overtimes? Four overtimes. To figure out who was worse. It's not who's better than the other one. It's who's worse than the other one this year. Yeah. That, that game was miserable. Um, but even with four overtimes and you had uh, Sam Ellinger running it, getting to OT, and the only bright spot of the game was one catch during regulation that was by a guy who I, I think has to go onto everybody's draft board as the football guy of, yeah, I, I love this football guy named Charleston Rambo for Oklahoma. This dude, this dude is legit, and he's got an amazing name. That is a heck of a name. It's a, it's a shame he didn't go to uh, go to South Carolina with the name Charleston. But Charleston Rambo. Well, because we had Bakari Rambo at Georgia a few years ago, but Charleston sadly, Rambo? Sadly oh. not related either. Yeah. And, I mean, the guy can kind of ball, too. Uh, he was second on this team last year in uh, receptions. To only C.D. Lamb, um, and that's a guy who's been lighting it up at the NFL level. Uh, yeah, I mean that that was a really fun game to watch, though. I will say that for that Red River showdown. Uh, is UT back? No. Uh, is anybody back? Honestly, from what I've watched, no. It's still just Alabama is better than everybody else. Yeah, Texas, yeah. Is, Texas isn't back. Texas is dead. <laughs> so, Bo, I know that we were talking with a big Texas fan. We hope to get him actually on the show to talk about uh, Tom Herman. But do you think it's? Do you think this is the end for Tom Herman? I mean, all the the Texas fans want him gone. Oh yeah. So so I was actually sitting talking law today, sitting next to a UT former UT student, big Texas fan. Uh, he was ready for, for Herman to be gone. Uh, that guy you're referring to, hopefully we can get him on the show a little later in the year. He wants him gone. I think the faithful are sick of him. I'm not sure exactly, and I need to look this up, what his buyout clause is. I suspect it's fairly large if I know UT, but UT can come up with the money. Yeah, that's never been a problem for them to get the money. Yeah. Um, no, and it's an interesting year. You think, oh, it's COVID. Maybe they'll give guys a bit of a longer leash. But this is still University of Texas. They have expectations, even in a COVID year. They shouldn't, but they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, so anyway, I'll say yes. I'm taking. I'm taking gone. I'm saying he's not head coach there next year. Alex, do you think he yeah, sticks well, around? I think he's. I think he gets one more year. He might get the Will Muschamp grace period because if Muschamp doesn't at least go, you know, five and five this year, I think he should be gone. 
Um, but he could go two and eight and he's still going to survive because he's going to get the pass. That's South Carolina, not Texas. I'm 60 40, he stays, but I really think he should be going. I guess my question is, why does he get a pass? I mean, these are all his guys now, right? He's been there. Yeah, it's his team now. These are his guys. I mean, he usually gets the pass. They've been trying to fire him for a little bit now, but he had played well against Oklahoma. And if you beat Oklahoma, then you that was the saving grace for the year, at least. Yeah, and he took him to four overtimes and said, look, we almost beat Oklahoma. We should have beat Oklahoma. We just didn't. Well, who's that on? Uh, that one might be on Tom Herman. I'm not. I think he does get the one pass, but barely. And he might get fired four games into next year. So with that, we start to move into games this week. Not too much of an exciting week on the SEC front. Really not that many exciting games in college football as a whole. Talking about ranked matchups, we get the big one. Georgia-Alabama, we'll get to that one last. That is, I think, the only ranked matchup in the conference um, this week. But that's still a 2-3 and three matchup, so probably best matchup of the year by ranking so far. Had two games canceled, postponed to that makeup week for the SEC, December 12th. These will be made up, Florida and LSU and Missouri and Vandy. So we start to take a look at the games that will be played. Auburn up first this week for you, Alex. Number 15, Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn is favored by three over under 51 and a half. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I'm going to South Carolina next week, we sure as hell better win this because I am not walking through Charleston with an L uh, on my forehead. The last, the crazy thing about this is that Auburn and South Carolina have only met 12 times in both programs' history, and Auburn is 10-1-1. One the last time we lost, FBR was president. It was 1933. Uh, so I am holding on to hope that because this is South Carolina, Auburn may not suck so bad this week. Um, we got so lucky with the double fumble phone next debacle at the end of the game last week. Um, and... and this is from an Auburn alum. He fumbled twice. He fumbled twice. And we got bailed out. Um, I hate the over. I like the under. I think this is a closely contested game. But really right now, I think that the the, uh, the difference in this game is going to be Auburn's D-line. It's going to be Auburn's defensive line against the front for South Carolina. And then I think it is going to be Auburn's, you know, conservatism almost on offense where we've only had one turnover all year, no turnovers, play well, defend, and uh, and really rush the passer early. I think Auburn wins in a close one. 
with the total probably going into the upper 30s to low 40s. I agree with you on the under. I think that spread is right where it's actually going to be. I I agree. I don't think I – I can't force myself to take Auburn on it, though. I think we win by five, four or five. Yeah, I think Auburn gets it done. I mean, I I I actually think this spread is probably a little tight. Um, Auburn's <laughs> Bo Nick fumbled twice, but they they only re, like their only ugly loss is obviously Georgia. They haven't played any games, I guess. But uh, I think this probably overvalues South Carolina's talent putting it three. So I'm definitely taking Auburn in this one. I'm also taking the under, though. I think there will be some incompetent-looking offense. Man, if Auburn, if Auburn were to blow this game, the the Gus Malzahn and the Chad Morris booze will be flying everywhere. I mean, I, oh, I, well, you were the one. You were the one who brought to my attention the comments from last week about Arkansas and uh, and Rob. I please. You explain that so that I don't have to and have, you know, a stroke midway through my first sentence. Yeah, so they were talking about, you know, Arkansas's success, uh, how they've been doing a lot better with Sam Pittman compared to Chad Morris. And when Gus Malzahn was asked about that success, he said that, you know, they're just better coached now when the coach that was fired is now his offensive coordinator. So he knows what he said. He knows exactly what he said, and he said it. So yeah, this is not great. This is not. This is not a good look for us. Uh, and this is why, you know, the you wonder why the huge fluctuations between. Oh my God, we're riding the Gus bus to get this dude the hell out of town. This is why. Uh, it, it, it's. It's mind-boggling some of the things that he does and says and why the team performs so well against Alabama. But sure as hell can't beat, you know, LSU. So, and we'll see. So that's the noon game on ESPN. Also at noon, we get uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Tennessee favored by six. They're... 18th in the country after that loss to Georgia where they hung in for a little bit over under at 46. I kind of like the over in that one. Yeah, I mean, I already said earlier in the show that the SEC might as well just be playing Big 12 style football at this point. Any over under under 50 in this year's SEC, I'm taking the over for sure. Even between these two particular teams. Um, I still, despite the tough start to the year, I still don't hate Kentucky like as a team. I think they're okay. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think I'm probably taking Kentucky, uh, if you're laying me the point. And you know, Alex, it really seems like the key to every Tennessee game, you call it the turnover monster. With Garantano, I really want to match up, you know, his career turnovers because it's he's one that we we mention it like every week. Someone who seems like they've been there for seven years and they've been eligible, 
every year, but I mean, it's happened every year. It was just a matter of time until it came up this year. Came up against Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, a very good defensive football team, but it just seems week in, week out, this could pop up at any time. And I know you love to you love to talk about the Garantano turnover monster. I do. I mean, the guy's got the little alien from Alien bursting out of its stomach at any given moment. Um, that turnover monster, it's a real thing. And the fact that, and I said it in the preview show a couple weeks ago, I've said it every week since, that the turnover monster is due to make the appearance. It did against Georgia. Three fumbles, two of which he lost, and he throws a pick. It derails any sense of rhythm that Tennessee has. Granted, like you said, it was a Georgia defense that is fantastic. But what he is running into right now is a Kentucky defense that their front seven shows no mercy. And that is a team that knows how to run the football too. I look at that and I see big problems for Tennessee. There, to me, uh, there's no way Tennessee is the number 18 team in the country. Minus six. Screw the minus six. Give me Kentucky money line in this game. They're going to win it outright. And I like them to score. I, Yeah, I'll take the over and I'll take Kentucky. Straight up. Wow, that's bold. Get that one recorded. Yeah, clip it. Yeah, clip I don't know it. about that one, Bonsai, but we will we will see. So that takes us into the 330 games, the 330 and the 4. With the LSU-Florida postponement, that knocks off the CBS game. ESPN did a little reshuffling today. With the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, that game originally scheduled for 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2. That has now been bumped to the 3.30 SEC Network game. A&M and Mississippi State go to the 4 o'clock on ESPN regular. So Ole Miss-Arkansas at 3.30. Ole Miss favored by 2.5 points. The over-under at 76.5. Ooh. That's a close one. God, I love the over. Oh yeah, me too. I'm taking I'm taking the over at any number with Ole Miss on the field. What was it? Uh, 111, 63 yeah. to 48 last week. I also want to note that I got Bama's score predicted perfectly last week with the 63 points. I think I had them 63 24. Ole Miss ended up doubling my projected points for them, but I was spot on. With Bama. Yeah, I mean, the only team in the country that can score at a faster clip than Ole Miss is whatever team is playing against Ole Miss. Very, Um, very true. But, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, they've had a lot of trouble historically playing in Fayetteville, especially playing as favorites in Fayetteville. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about this as an Ole Miss fan. But this offense isn't going to slow down. Matt Corral, 67 for 88, nearly 1,100 yards, nine scores. That's just three games. One of them was Alabama. I'm taking Ole Miss in this one. Definitely just smashing the over. 
76, that's clearly they just think that if they set it any higher, people won't even believe it's real football. But with these teams, with Ole Miss, it's, it's going to be over. Yeah, I'll definitely take the over as well. On the two and a half, you know, I'm I'm mostly concerned coming out from Ole Miss today. Like I mentioned earlier, Kiffin said that there are some positives. He said that if the game were today, they would be able to play. We don't know how that's going to go for the rest of the week or if this game could possibly, could possibly get pushed um, to that December 12th date. We don't know. Assuming that Ole Miss is healthy and that they're able to put any combination of the starters on offense out there, then I'm fine with that. I'm going to take Ole Miss two and a half. If I mean, we just have to hope that the COVID strike is striking the defense. And a lot of these guys got it in preseason practice, too. It will, there will be absolutely no difference if it's affecting the de- uh, the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to hope that that's the case. I don't. I obviously don't want anyone to be sick or anything like that. But if Ole Miss can put their regular starting offense out there, I like Ole Miss two and a half. If they don't, I think the game gets postponed. Okay. Well, outside of postponement, if we're looking at it from two and a half. Arkansas has to play a perfect game to keep it within two and a half. They won't. You know, it's just it's just that simple. They don't have the horses. Ole Miss's offense right now, second in rushing in the SEC, averaging 381 in the air per game, and is second in the country in total offense. This Arkansas defense, it's a couple years away. No. Ole Miss outscores Arkansas. Shootout. Don't get me wrong. Shootout. But Ole Miss probably ends up by, you know, I would say, you know, eight or ten. Yeah, coming off last week, highest yards in an SEC game ever and most amount of points scored in an SEC game ever that ended in regulation. I think the other ones that matched it all went to seven overtimes. I think it was that LSU A&M game from a few years ago, and it might have been actually an Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Uh, there was one that went to like six or seven overtimes back in like oh eight. It was it was when Houston Nutt was there and Mike Wallace was at Ole Miss. I've watched that game before. I watched that game not knowing who won the first time, and I was very upset when I found out who won. Uh, Bo, you mentioned Ole Miss does have a tough time playing in Fayetteville. I do recall a time you had a very tough time in Fayetteville trying to watch the Rebs. We'll get to that in an off-season episode. Bo has a great story about a journey to a very cold and rainy journey to Fayetteville with some of the Rebel faithful. I ran out of gas. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! Sleeping in your car, running out of gas. It was a trip, man. So and we got Yeah, there have been some miserable times. Arkansas had Ole Miss's number for a while before that major drop off, where Arkansas couldn't win an SEC game. And there is another Henry. There's the Hunter Henry brother still at Arkansas. I think so. That is always a curse. 
too. But moving on from Ole Miss, we go to the other Mississippi State team, Texas A&M, fresh off an upset of Florida. And then Mississippi State, it seems like the wheels are falling off. Mike Leach saying that everyone needs to buy in or they need to get out, threatening to get rid of upperclassmen. Rumor is Kylan Hill, such a big story in the offseason, may no longer be on the team. We haven't verified that, but there are rumblings. Costello could be benched. They don't have a quarterback. Not the best way for Kiffin to come out after that LSU win. It seems like everything can be put together. Now, there have been some PR blunders. There have been some, you might not have everyone on your team anymore, and not for COVID reasons, and you're kind of getting dumped on on the field. And obviously, you mean Mike Leach instead of Kevin. I think I said Leach this time. No, you said Kevin. I say that that every week. Yeah, so it, it happens, and... Yeah, every single sign says take Texas A&M. Every single thing about this game says A&M. Just roll with it. Don't overthink it. And that's why you've got to overthink it. Because look at what happened last night on Tuesday Night Football. Everybody on ESPN said, oh, Buffalo, they're going to roll. What happened? Everybody was wrong. So when everybody starts going one direction, there's something to be said. And there's something to be said for what Mike Leach has done this week and said, either get in, get on board, shut up, or get the hell out. You are going to build a locker room. It may not be the locker room you want. It may not be the one you started with, but it's going to be one team. Um. They can't be as bad as they were last week. They can't be that bad two weeks in a row. In a, in a row. But A&M was so good on third down last week. They've been so good on third down during the year. A&M wins this game. Um, I don't know about the over-under 54 because when you put up – what. They put up a 40-burger on LSU and one, and then threw up two last week. Who the hell knows what this offense is going to be? I want no part of the over-under. A&M, yeah, I think by seven. I like like getting that half a point. But they, you know what? They start to improve. Alex, you and I were talking about it uh, after last week's game. I think when we were watching the NFL this past weekend looking back at that Kentucky game because in the all of the excitement of leading up to Bama and as exciting as that game was, I mean, that ended up being ESPN's highest-rated game of the year, even compared to what was a 1-7 Clemson, and it was Alabama's highest-rating game on ESPN in the last three years. So all eyes were on Ole Miss for that. I completely missed Kentucky. Mississippi State even, you know, recognizing that it was being played. But then we take a look at K.J. Costello, who was benched 36 for 55 for 232 and four picks. Then they bring in the backup, and he throws two picks. And then they only – they ran for 20 yards the entire game. 
I mean, I know wow. Mike Leach's team is going to throw 80-plus percent of the time, and a lot of those receptions, you look at Kylan Hill, he got 15 receptions for over 70 yards, I think it was. So those are pretty much, you know, their runs, dumping it off to him and then getting 15 receptions as a running back. But it it was absolutely miserable compared to Costello's game against LSU where everyone thought, oh, man, this Mike Leach thing is actually going to work. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect rushing yards from Leach's air raid with a negative game script. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's the positives this week for Mississippi State is you alluded to all of them, Alex. You really said them all. The, like, like you know that it's a new coach and it's a Leach. It's not just any new coach. It's Leach. Um, it's a pirate. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's going to be some weird stuff. It's going to be a tough transition. I think you you have to be broadly just excited about the direction they're moving in and a little tension maybe is okay long-term for this team. This week, not so good. For this game against A&M, I see him getting blown out. I'm taking the under. I don't think the offense is going to look good. I don't think anything's going to look good. I think A&M just runs away with it. But long term, I think you got to take your lumps in the SEC. I think it'll be maybe even a good thing for state long term. But I see this continuing for at least a couple more weeks, if not just for the rest of the year, and and then they they figure it out. I'm gonna take a And M minus six and a half. I'm gonna take the under. And before we move off of it, I do just want to mention just because I found it interesting and I had to go back and actually dig a little bit to find it the only two points that Mississippi State scored last week were on a negative 48 yard loss for a safety it was a punt where the long snapper that I mean the way that he snapped it that ball didn't land until it was about 10 to 15 yards behind the punter and it was just a mess after that so that was the only thing that Mississippi State could put up on the board. They didn't even get close otherwise, but they look to get back on it this week. So that takes us to the biggest game of the week, the night game. That's going to be at 8 o'clock. Oh, that actually is the CBS game. Um, So 8 o'clock Eastern, CBS, Georgia at Bama. Saban's going to be not on the sidelines, right? Well, I, I can't imagine he will be. Um, I'm thinking he's got to be at least 10 days in ISO. Uh, I, I don't see how he is coaching these next two contests. I heard that he was coaching practice today. He had someone walking around with a laptop or whatever so that he could virtually coach and yell at everyone for practice. So Norvell I, did that, too. Hasn't see ever how well that worked out. That's that's like every sitcom ever, right? Like they tape a guy on an iPad to a little some device that just yeah yeah I, Big Bang Theory yeah. they you know, strap you to a freaking Roomba and let you yeah. go yeah just I put a stick it. on it like a coat hanger on just a pole or whatever and just let him let him wander the sideline put a put a little pullover on it and let him go. Do you make the uh, iPad wear a mask? Yes, you absolutely have for to. For optics, for sure. Otherwise, you'd get fined. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know the science. I don't know all that. Um, but it seems hard for me to believe that these two coaches could get it. And it's not with several more players on the team. It's easy for me to envision this game getting postponed. We already sort of talked about that. If they do play, uh, I still think I've got to take Alabama in this one. Najee Harris leads the conference in touchdowns. He's got 10 touchdowns through three games. Their offense has been pretty fun to watch. Granted, like half those points came against Ole Miss, but they were putting up points in their other games. It's not, it's not just against Ole Miss. Like the biggest, uh, challenged Alabama putting up points so far this year has really, really just been the clock. Um, so, and that, I don't think, uh, I don't think any of that, I don't think any of the players should this game get played. Um, I, I think they're just as talented athletically, whether Nick Saban's on the sideline or not. Nick Saban is an incredible coach, but the talent at Alabama it's just so incredible. They're like an NFL team. This Georgia team's good, but I don't think they're Alabama good. We're about to find out. Um, but I'm taking Alabama for sure against anybody in the country. I'm taking Bama minus six and a half. I'm also going to take the over at 56 oh, yeah. and a half. I, I mean, Bama, I, that's hard though. I mean, I think they will score on Georgia's defense. It's really going to be it's really going to be what can Georgia's offense do to slightly keep in this game. I just don't think that they have the firepower. They definitely don't have the firepower that Ole Miss did. I'm still going to lean on the over. I think Bama will be kind of hyped up after this game, after you know a threat until, what, three minutes to go with Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and to that point, you know, when you're talking about weapons, and offensively, you know, offensive weapons. Mac Jones right now should be the Heisman front runner. And that is the most insane thing that I have ever said in my life. But hear me out. McCorkle Jones? McCorkle Jones. And I, like I said, in the preseason show, I will be cold and dead in the ground before I let my team lose to a dude named McCorkle Jones, I might have to eat those words. Because what has happened is you are seeing the evolution of an amazing passing game at Alabama. And it pains me to say it. I, this is not the Alabama I know. This is a new enemy. This is like COVID coming in. I'm, I don't even know how to deal with it. Mac Jones has 1,101 yards passing so far this year. KJ Costello from Mississippi State has 1,168 yards through the air. Mac Jones has done it on 91 fewer throws and 49 fewer completions. Holy crap. These guys are beyond efficient. This is surgical. What Alabama can do through the air, I'm sorry. Georgia, your pass defense is excellent. But this is 
you know, an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. In this case, I'm taking the unstoppable force and I'm going with the Alabama passing game. I'm going with Alabama's defense. I, I, I think this might be the best Alabama team we've seen in a few years. I think without Saban, they cover. The 56 and a half gives me pause because I think Alabama might put up 38. But I don't know how much Georgia does. Um, let's give Georgia three scores and say, yeah, you take the over. But I could also see this being a you know 28 to 12 kind of game. Wow. I'm seeing a lot of the money on the over right now. 73% of the money on the over. Alex, you're feeling bold this week. I love it. Yeah, no, why not? Let's just go after it. Uh, I, I think we've seen enough football to start saying, hey, these guys, they stink. Or these guys are really good, but it's going to end up being close. Yeah, uh, it's it's getting to those doldrum moments of the season where you're just in the middle of the year. It's kind of a down week schedule-wise. You're going to see something weird happen. So let's go take it. I'm in. I'm with you. I love it. I love the Alabama pick. They're, they're mega talented, man. Oh, my God. fair. This might be the best wide receiver group that they've ever had. And they have, what, like six guys? Last year. What was that? Two guys on their team last year. Two wide receivers were top 15 picks. Yeah, and this might be better. I agree with you. And they're still better. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's a factory, man. And that leads to the question, you know, was Tua actually good or was it the product of a whole bunch of top 15, top 20 wide receivers that now are showing out in the pros too? I think you're always going to have that question with a Bama quarterback though, because they're always going to have the receivers. They're always going to have the running backs. That question isn't going to go away anytime soon. Well, I hope it does for Dolphin's sake that, you know, Tua starts falling out whenever he does hit the field. But, I mean, when you know, this, this, this Alabama team, you know, Bo, like, like you were just saying, holy crap, they're good. I mean, this Najee Harris guy, he's like a running back that I think he's passing Etayin to me. And that was like the easy chalk top running back in the country. Yeah, Travis Etienne is. He is a nasty dude, but Najee Harris, that guy's a monster. He's so dynamic. I mean, he does so many things, and he does them all well. Uh, yeah, this this offense is incredible. I have I, There's not a doubt in my mind that the Crimson Tide would beat the New York Jets. There is zero chance in the world that they would beat the Jets. That is the one game that they would win all year. The one game the Jets would win all year would be against the Alabama Crimson Tide. No way. 100%. A 100%. 
and Joe Namath would be very upset. Yeah, no matter what, Joe Namath loses in that game. But that is a 100%er, no chance that any college team could beat any pro team. It, no. I principally agree with you, but that's such an unfun thing to say. I know, I know. It, even if you put all of the college all-stars together, you're not beating a pro team. Yeah, but there's no Pro Bowl anymore, so. Hey, yeah. Now, that would be an interesting Pro Bowl. You put all the Pro Bowlers, or actually you put the ones that are ranked by Pro Football Focus as the worst pros in the league at their positions against the, you know, college football all-star team. The all I would I would go to watch that game. I would watch that. I would watch it's that. like we've got some dude who just made it off the practice squad against you know Trey Lo- or uh, Trevor Lawrence. I actually got to think the All America team would win that one, right? That one they might, yeah, yeah, but not against an actual NFL team. Oh, well, are the actual NFL team? We'll have to play that game in a miserable, in a miserable place, like the Independence Bowl or the Crampton Bowl or in Mobile. It's got a, like you cannot get a luxurious stadium to play that game. Legion Field, the Glass Bowl in Toledo, the the Kibbe Dome. Oh, yeah! No, that game can't be indoors. It's got to be in the elements. A UTEP Stadium. Hey, don't. Don't knock the Sun Bowl. Yeah, Sun Bowl, cool place to play. That again. place is awesome. No, I think like Toledo or Akron. Played in Vegas. Everything should just be played in Vegas now. That game would have the most action of any game except the Super Bowl <laughs> that year. Well, without question. I think you could get even more action than the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just like there's nothing, there's no basis to bet on it. Like, you have no idea going into it. And you play the game in July. Oh, yeah. Imagine the individual props on it, though. It would be amazing. Yeah, does Trevor Lawrence throw for more than 117.5 yards? Uh, Does Travis Etienne run for more than 36? before being benched in an all-star game. Uh, That would be beautiful. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll Dodgers are up 15 to one. We'll get to, we'll get to work on setting that game up in the future. Dodgers up 15 to one. Let's give you just some real quick rest of the, Rest of the country, anything kind of notable? There's probably two or three games in here. Just real quick, Louisville, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame favored by 17. I don't think they cover. Um, Duke NC State, that's a game that I would want to watch if nothing else was going on. Uh, I think NC State wins. NC State had a good week last week. Uh, we get North Carolina, Florida State, North Carolina minus 13. I think they destroy that. Yeah, UNC is sleeper good. That is a that's a good football team. Go, Mac Brown. And then we promise. You should get to have a good basketball team and a good football team. True. Well, they have their, they have their own issues over there at UNC and with basketball, too. 
that could have all come crashing down for a little bit there. And then, but we promised we'd save this one for last. If we couldn't watch the SEC, it would be the most exciting game of the week for us. Southern Miss at UTEP in the Sun Bowl, 7.30 primetime game on ESPN2. Southern Miss favored by 5.5. I don't think UTEP won a game last year. Don't know if they've won one. Oh, they've won three this year. So the one in three Southern Miss Golden Eagles against the three and two UTEP Miners. Southern Miss favored by five and a half somehow without their coach that they started the year with. Southern's got more talent um, for whatever that's worth. They clearly have been using it so far. Southern Miss to the top. Southern Miss to the top. Alex? I I still can't believe that they're three and two. Um, is that I I guess UTEP played uh, Louisiana Tech close. That's the only frame of reference I really have on them. You know what? Go Miners. Oh, man. To the top. Oh, man. UTEP, they opened the season beating my, my SFA. I, are they the Lumberjacks? What are they? Stephen F. Austin is the Lumberjacks, yes. Uh, out in Nacogdoches. So, yeah, out in Nacogdoches. That's a fun place. But I don't know if that one really counts. We'll call them two and two. <laughs> a place where Bo frequents Nacogdoches. All right, so I think that's about everything that we wanted to touch on today. Got some good bonus picks in there. It's going to be another fun week around the country. We're going to wrap up these baseball series and then get to moving on. We'll see what happens with the rest of the COVID situation in the SEC and kind of with what's been going on in the NFL. Hopefully everything gets back to normal here. Guys, any closing thoughts? Go deep. Depressing. Sad times. Alex? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of, I might want to project my wish onto Bo just so that he gets a win here by the Jets losing and then firing Adam Gase. Uh, that might be my one charitable contribution this year. Uh, yeah, screw screw Adam Gase. Get him out of there. That's my that's my closing thought. Got got to do it right before the bye though, so we don't get that big bump. Oh yeah, yeah. So that then you lose, so then you get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, smart move. Right. Hey, that's, that's looking good. Well, as long as the Giants lose at some point, they don't play each other. They could they could both go zero and sixteen. It's the first time they've both been zero and ten in history. I think the the last team to win in New Meadowlands was the New York Guardians. Yes, it was. Oh, were they the AAF or the XFL? I don't even remember which one they were in. I think they were the XFL. XFL, I think, too. Yeah. Mine's going to be you know, a little bit of a rebound for South Florida, for Miami. We can let Tampa do their thing over there in the ALCS, but after the Marlins getting destroyed by the Braves... 
Heat getting destroyed at the end by the Lakers and Miami getting worked by Clemson. Want to see Miami come back and beat Pittsburgh this weekend um, in college football. And then I also want to see the Dolphins take down the Jets. I think those two are very doable. But other than that, I think that's about all the time that we have for this week. want to thank you all for joining us again. We want to welcome Bo back, and we will be back on our regular schedule moving forward. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. See you all next week. Love you all.